Welcome to the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Now, here's your host, Associate Editor Mark Demko. So, hey, everybody, welcome to the Bow Hunting Podcast. No, the other day, the, the staff here at Peterson's Bow Hunting was uh, talking about um, how amazing the hunting apps like Onyx and HuntStand are. Uh, they have really come up with these incredible resources for people to plan um, bow hunting trips you know, from scouting afar to some of the things you do with them when you're on the ground and uh, weather conditions and things like that. Uh, and, you know, and you on, the, on the other hand, you know, for decades, if somebody wanted to, um, you know, learn about a new hunting destination and they wanted to head out west, um, they were able to really locate um, some honey holes and some um, out of the way spots. Uh, Onyx has really helped to level the playing field as far as that goes, but maybe there aren't as many of those honey holes. Everybody now has access to that same basic starting information, um, which is why I'm really excited about today's topic because I have two very special guests. Um, we have Travis Keith from Oklahoma and Bob Schwalm from Pennsylvania uh, on with us. And they've come up with a pretty unique way to still get out have a great bow hunting experience and even escape some of those crowds. Welcome to the bow hunting podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Now, um, Travis, um, I feel like I know you from working at the magazine and you're a good friend with Eddie Claypool, who's one of our longest standing writers. You appear a lot in his, his work. And so I've got to experience a lot of the things that you've done with him hunting out West and hunting in Oklahoma over the years. So I'm actually really thrilled to speak with you and, you know, um, Bob, you and I have known each other for a number of years and, and you do a lot of DIY hunting, um, you know, it's both for deer and for turkeys. So uh, thank you. And um, Travis, we're going to start with you because you've actually done um, uh, a lot of boat in or canoe in um, bow hunting over the years, um, you know, and, and, and you're talking about um, trying to escape the, the crowds, uh, maybe hunt some left pressure deer. Tell us how you got started in, in, in um, canoeing in or bow hunting experiences. What was the impetus? What drove you to do that? Um, you know, honestly, when a long time ago, when me and my brother started kind of getting into, into hunting and fishing and et cetera, we started off, you know, bow fishing a lot out of a canoe and turkey hunting out of a canoe. And that was like 25 years ago. And then, you know, the more we got into deer hunting, we followed the, the normal, you know, and we got away from canoeing and, you know, it was try to walk farther and harder and work, stuff like that. Um, you know, and then the mo 2000s or whatever, I, I, stuck, I met Eddie Claypool and, and got to hang out with him and kind of just kind of watch him and I can learn just by watching somebody and hearing somebody's stories. But, um, in, in 2012, you know, we were kind of hunting around, um, together and, and, uh, we had a, we had a piece of, of ground that we were hunting on and it just wasn't panning out. And, uh, I kind of, I watched him just, just leave and, and go to some public ground and tackle it. And I watched his, you know, just kind of his, his season play out and some of his method and his work ethic. And, and part of that had to do with him, you know, crossing some water, wading, wading across some stuff. And then, you know, he ended up using, using his boat one, one evening and all that stuff started clicking in my head. And I was like, man, I need to really implement some of this and learn some of my own tactics. So, so I started playing with that and me being just kind of blue collar, you know, on a budget, I was like, I, I have a boat, you know, I already had a fishing boat, aluminum boat, but, uh, 
I was like, I, I think I need a canoe or something that I can just get from point A to point B because because conditions aren't always going to be favorable for me to just walk everywhere. So, so that's kind of how I got started. I kind of watched him and learned from him a little bit and then kind of just progressed and, and ad-libbed and, and put some of my own, you know, work ethic to it. Awesome. Well, you know, what's that first experience that you did on your own where you tried the um, uh, boating in or the canoeing in? Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, yes. Where you were hunting, how it went? Yeah, so my, my first experience, and I remember it well, um, it was in 2014. Um, I was hunting in Oklahoma um, and, and you know, was just having a tough time with a few things in life in general, you know. And, and, uh, and so I, I planned on going hunting the next morning and going up, the, going up this river, taking my boat and going about four or five miles north up this river and trying to hunt this little pinch point, little piece of public, you know, that it's just kind of hard to get to, but it's a little bitty, little bitty spot. And, uh, and so I hooked up to the trailer the night before and the, the trailer lights weren't working. And so I was kind of frustrated about that. And I didn't, didn't really want to get up in the morning and take off with no trailer lights. So, um, I didn't, I didn't get to, you know, really wake up on time. So I was really been out of shape. Come, come daylight. I'm like, dang it, you know, I should be in my tree. Well, come daylight. It's like, it was foggy one of those very, very, you couldn't see anyways, fogs, you know, so I got up and drove up there and got the boat in the river and took off up the river and got to this spot at like 830 and it is still 100% fogged over and you couldn't see anything anyways if I was there. And, and I kind of tie off and stand up and get dressed like I'm fixing to go to the office, put a day in at the office because, you know, I'm, I'm in the river, like I'm below this bank, nothing can see me. You know, I get ready and just kind of step out and go about 20 yards and climb up in, in my tree and and probably sat there an hour. You know, this young buck was over there scraping on a, you know, making a licking branch and stuff. And I kind of rattled to him and he came over and I made a good shot. And like it was, it was a seven point, you know, it wasn't a, a big deer, but um, that moment lit a fire like, you know, I, at the moment, I felt like my fire was dwindling down some, like, you know, but that re-sparked something, and I was like, that was awesome. I was like, you know, and I told my buddy, and he's like, man, am amphibious attack. He's like, that's that's pretty slick, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I like that, you know, and so uh, I just continued on, and like a week later, I was, I was hunting, and let's see, that was on the October 29th, so on November the 8th. I, I used my canoe and I slid across this river and I killed a buck and got to like put him in my canoe, you know, and like bring him across. And I was like, that was, that was really cool too. So, you know, two experiences back to back, you know, one was a motorboat and one was a canoe, but like, but both were really awesome. And like, just kind of reef kindled that, you know, a new, a new passion kind of is, it was really neat. So. Bob, you have a, a similar experience. You started um, uh, canoeing in or boating in at some point. What made you um, want to get started with that type of uh, hunting strategy? Uh, where did you maybe do your first hunt? How did it go? I've always, uh, I do a lot of my recreation up in, in uh, like Comey County, up on the Pine Creek, uh, within the, the Tidon State Forest. Do a lot of turkey hunting up there. Yeah, or do a lot of fishing and turkey hunting up there. And, and, you know, it's it. Uh, 
it kind of came to me one day, I, I, with hunting public land that, you know, you're always, it's always a struggle because you might find a spot and you think you've got a honey hole to yourself and then you end up the next day coming out and you see all kinds of vehicles. And so, you know, I thought to myself, I'm always trying to figure out a way to kind of, you know, get away from the crowd, so to speak. And I thought, well, better way to do this is, is, is to, you know, canoe into these uh, different locations. And uh, this was probably, and I'm not, don't, don't hold me to this date. This was probably about 2004, 2005. Mm-hmm. We had located birds and they were pretty vocal. And uh, they were, Lycoming is, is a, a very steep county. Uh, and they, they, were, they were roosting on the side of this mountain. And the only way to access would have been to come in over the top, which would have meant that we would have bumped these birds. And what they would do in the morning is they would fly down alongside the creek in this nice greenery, green area. And, you know, it just dawned on me. Hey, why don't I just canoe across the creek? I mean, this is this is ridiculous. Canoe across the creek, get in there quiet. There's no better way to get to a hunting spot than than on on a canoe or a kayak. So we we uh, we went and went over in in the morning, and we got in, got situated, set up our decoys, and had a great hunt. And uh, you know, they were they probably were only about a hundred yards away from where we actually set up. So that that's where I got the idea, and I thought, you know what, I've had this in my back pocket for such a long time and never realized it. And, uh, you know, like uh, Travis said, there, there's nothing more rewarding than you're coming across the Creek in your canoe and you got birds sitting on top, you know, sitting on, on, the, on the front of the bow or whatever. It, it was, it was a great morning. And so I pretty much, you know, kind of kept that with me as I went out to other areas and, uh, you know, thought, Hey, one of my priorities when I'm hunting, whether it's deer or turkey, is to get into my spot as quiet as possible. And there's no better way to do that than to come in through through the creek. Plus, you know, you're not going to have a whole lot of competition uh, from other hunters. Yeah, and, and I think you touched on the important point here. You know, not only are you not going to have to battle some of the other um, hunters who are out trying to get a deer or a turkey, but... Um, the animals are going to be less pressured. And I think that's a, it's a big part of it. Uh, and, you know, you were talking uh, about uh, the North central part of the state. Well, Pennsylvania is a state that's uh, well known as having a lot of hunters. So uh, sometimes uh, the difference between a tough outing and a really successful outing can be getting away from uh, others. So um, now have you taken that concept and have you done it for deer over the years in, in other areas? And how is that going yeah. for you? Yes. Uh, I've, I've been, uh, a number for I'm going to try to think on that for about four or five years I hunted in uh, Ohio the big secret state with big bucks well it's not very secret anymore again there's a, quite a bit of pressure you know yeah. and uh, my first year out there I hunted in Guernsey County which is uh, there's a, a state park Salt Fork State Park it's about 17,000 acres of of Ohio Hills. And it's, it's good hunting. Uh, the only problem with that is the the fact that, you know, people from Michigan and people from Florida and people from Alabama, they all knew about it. So, and especially during a rut, which, you know, when I got there, I had, I had uh, some information from some friends and 
my first year was kind of a disaster because we were constantly having people bump into us and, you know, walk through our areas. Plus we had seen that people were there before us. And the nice thing about salt fork is there's 17,000 acres of land, but there's 3000 acres of water that surrounds it or pretty much goes through it. And going back to my experience with Turkey hunting, I decided that, you know, I was going to uh, enter into my, uh, my hunting area uh, with a canoe. So what I did was the following uh, summer, we went out there and did some scouting and uh, with the canoe and went in and found some, you know, some pretty good sign, found some good bedding areas, found some good, uh, you know, uh, uh, feeding areas and located some trees. So pretty much adopted that was my way. That was my new plan to, to hunt salt for And it kept me out of, it kept me out of all of the, you know, um, the constant moving in and out. There were a lot of people that were, were coming down there to hunt and rightfully so they, they've killed some really nice whitetails in that area. So, yeah, I, I still continue to do that. And um, Travis, now you talked about how you start out and things like that. Have you expanded? Have you have you tried different areas of the country or is it something you, you tend to stick to closer to home in Oklahoma? Um, I've hunted in Oklahoma and in Kansas and Missouri a little bit. Um, Missouri was turkey. I haven't hunted here in Missouri yet, um, but Oklahoma and Kansas, I've hunted quite a bit you know, using that method. So, you know, I mean, if we dive into it a little bit, um, when you're talking about, um, paddling in or even taking a small boat, um, there's a lot of advantages, but I think maybe one of the challenges, like you might have to be restricted how much you can carry in. Um, talk about that planning process. How do you narrow down the essentials, what you have to take with you? Cause you have limited room in say a canoe or a small boat. So obviously that has to be a big factor as you're getting ready for a hunt like this. Right. I mean, yeah, you, you know, for me, uh, I mean, you, you still have to take all the same gear you need when you're going to go walk in, you're going to your sticks and your stand and your backpack and your, your, your hunt, you know, your bow and all that stuff. You're just adding a few more things. Like you're adding a canoe and a paddle and a life jacket and, uh, some rubber boots and a pair of waders and like uh, some rope or a grappling hook to grab the bank with, or there's a few more things you got to, you know, keep up with. Um, but, um, you know, it, it sounds in some ways it's more work in some ways it's not because like I can throw stuff, I can throw four tree stands in my canoe and go do a day's work that I can't go carry that stuff, you know, in one trip and go do a day's work, you know, I'd have to make four, four trips, uh, long walks or whatever. But, um, so in some ways there's an advantage, like you feel like you're limited, but you know, it's, a, you, it's, it's really easier to me, you know, cause, cause I can put my stuff in there and paddle and like not work nearly as hard as, you know, if I had to carry all that stuff. You know, so. so you're getting in there and you're doing a little bit of advanced scouting or you hanging some lock-on stands um, when you go in, so, is that the strategy? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, like some of these places that I'm, you know, I've, I've found a long time ago or I'm used to, you know, I can, I can go and, and hang a stand and, and then come back to it um, and then climb that tree the, the day I want to hunt it. You know, I, I try to stay out of my spots and leave them until I want to be there, you know, to hunt. And, but I, I like, if, if I can, I want a stand in the tree 
you know, and then I just have to climb the tree. Um, instead of try some spots I have to do a complete hanging hunt, you know, for the most part, I, I would like to show up and, and climb in and sit down and be as least impact as possible, you know. But absolutely and obviously that's crucial but it's nice when you when you have a spot that you're familiar with if the environment right. and the conditions don't change too much you can go back you know a couple times even if it's a couple years apart and it tends to be successful again those animals aren't uh, as subject to different environmental changes like uh, hunting pressure and things like that um now bob when, when you've done your trips has it been like you would canoe in and canoe out um in the same day or either have you ever done any Camping, as far as that goes, have you like camped overnight, or do you basically go in and come out the same day? I have not. I basically uh, hunt the entire day. I would take, uh, you know, I, I I put up a lock on or two, and I also take my climbing stand. Now, my climbing stand, obviously, I would leave there, and you know, as my first year was was a little bit of time consuming because I had to get myself kind of organized and go through the, the routine. My second year out there was was pretty much, I knew exactly what I wanted to do, but uh, I never I never stayed over uh, night. Uh, and, and I liked the canoe because I could get more gear in, into it. Uh, once I got my stands over, you know, I didn't need to do that until I was ready to leave uh, and I was going to take them out. Yeah, so obviously you make a couple trips in and out till you get set up. And um, yes, Travis, have you ever done the camping bit? Have you ever camped overnight or for a couple of days? Uh, I haven't for deer. I haven't. I've done it um, for turkeys a couple times. Um, one time in, in my regular boat, my you know, with a motor or whatever, I I take my daughter. We went on a used turkey hunt in Oklahoma, and uh, we went up that same river that I talked about that first deer hunt in the. We went up that river and I, I took blankets and we made a pallet. We just made a made a camp in the aluminum boat and and camped there and the beavers were slapping their tails at us. And but <laughs> we got up and and you know got into some turkeys. We didn't we didn't get them that day, but um but I've got some pictures and it was a pretty good memory. And then uh, one other time in, in Kansas, I had, I had floated into this spot where um I knew the birds came back and kind of roosted there. So I went in the middle of the day and and sat in a blind and hunted and and had birds around me that evening but i knew if it didn't work it was going to be hard to get back in there so i took my mat and my sleeping bag into my blind with me and come dark i just laid it out and went to sleep in my blind and woke up the next morning and then some birds got down and one got within bow range and you know it turned into a good outing but that was the only time i've i've done two overnighters for for turkey you know like you go out west and go mountain hunting or whatever you do, you know, some more backpacking and stuff like that. I haven't done it for deer yet. Um, if I found the right spot where like, that's what needed to be done. You know, if I thought that's what it took to get to, to do it, then I would do it. But so far I'm just to go in, sit all day, come out. You know, that's my, that's all I do. I go in and sit daylight till dark and come back out. And I repeat that process until I get lucky or I run out of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now what's you've done this a couple of times. You've done this more than a couple of times. Do you have a favorite memory when you think back on all these paddling trips you've done? Is there something that stands out to you that you can share with us? 
Oh man. Yeah. I have so many, like, it's hard to pick like probably this specific one. Um, when I, when I think about just doing this stuff, like honestly, um, canoeing in the dark of the morning, like you can, you can navigate by the stars. You can see, like, you don't need to lie. You don't need to headlamp. Um, that is one of the most awesome things. Like each fall when I get to get out there and I'm headed out for the first time or two, and it's like crisp and clear. And it's like, like that is, that is one of my favorite things, honestly, you know, and to do that and then go get in your tree and have a good hunt and like, you know, be blessed with all the other things that you get to see. It's like, it's awesome. You know, so um, specific hunts. I mean, like, I mean, that first one in, in, in Kansas, like it was an eight corner in, in 2014, just because it was the first one, like getting them and, and like, now what am I going to do? Like get them in the canoe. And like, that was a chore, but being able to bring him back, um, that kind of kicked things off. And in 2015, like I, I had, you know, I had a good season and I, I'd, I'd worked hard and killed a couple other deer. And then um, there was one where I took my daughter because I, I take her out a lot with me and we did a, a day's work of tree stings. We had loaded four in a canoe and took her and four and did all four of them. And the last one, you know, <clears throat> she, she made a comment. She was like, dad, she's like, she's like, I know why you kill big bucks. And I was like, why? You know, she's like, cause you are car dad. And I was like, well, you know, thanks kiddo you know, and she's over there and I, I'd actually hung a trail camera that time. And she, she goofed off in front of it. And I, I got a picture of her, like, you know, doing that. Well, later that year, you know, the first time I go sit that tree, you know, from daylight till dark at three 30 in the evening on a 65 degree warm day in the middle of the day, like here comes this buck, you know, and I make a good shot on him. Like, you know, I, that's the hard work, buck, you know, like I'll, I'll always remember, you know, her saying that so but that's just one I, I've got quite a few others and each one has like their own their own specific memory or their own like real lesson like that I take away from it like you know like and I try to carry that and carry it on to the next you know and, and each one you know helps me each time so did you ever have a particularly challenging situation on one of those hunts that turned out really well in the end Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, I've got one spot that's a little bit challenging. Um, you know, I, I put in a canoe and this is pre-planned because you paddle three quarters of a mile up, up a river and then you hit a log jam. That's like the size of a football field. It's physically impossible to get past it, but, um, past that it's like, some stuff you know i did some scouting one winter and i walked around in there and i found these good rubs and stuff and i was like man i have got to know what lives back there there's a good one back there and so on my way back out walking i, I find this log jam and because i i can physically walk back to this place and hunt it but that's not the way to do it like you're not you're not going to get them like you're going to educate them walking back there the way to do it is by water and i found this log jam and i was like holy cow i'm going to have to like hide a second canoe on the other side of this log jam. You know, I'm going to have to paddle, use the first one, go three quarters of a mile, get out, walk over the peninsula, and then get back in another canoe that I pre-stashed earlier in the year. And so I was like, but I have to do that. I got to know what lives back there, you know? 
And so I, I do that one. I did it two years ago and I, and hunting that thing, that's tough to, to get there before daylight and get down at dark and then get out and get another one. And, you know, but, um, the first year I did it, it was 20 year, 2020. I'd hunted, um, November 2nd till November 22nd. I had 20 days, daylight till dark consecutive. I think I'd killed one Oklahoma deer and took a day off to deal with him. And so November 22nd, I, I was successful and killed the deer way back there, you know, and had to, and just that, you know, was quite challenging. Um, so, and having to deal with all of that and get, get him out and get, you know, get the two canoes out. It's like, it sounds ridiculous, but, and some guys are like, you know, he's just trying to work too hard or, you know, be like Cameron Haynes or something like that. And that's not, that's not it. But I just saw a really good sign and like, I just had to know what lives back. and and i didn't you know i did not see or kill the deer that laid down some of that sign i killed a nice deer um but i didn't i didn't see what laid down those rubs you know and so i'm still curious but (laughs) yeah and you know you bring up a good point obviously um it does take some extra work to do something like this uh as far as if you want to make a dedicated effort to get away from the crowds and paddle in um, from between the scouting and taking some of your gear in ahead of time, maybe making multiple trips and things like that. Um, yeah. You know, uh, if somebody wanted to start out doing this, I think this is one of these things where maybe a ton of bow hunters don't do this. You know, a lot of people bow hunt, they bow hunt from, you know, tree stands or the hunt from ground blinds. You probably don't have a ton of people who are uh, maybe even never thought about canoeing in. And it seems like it's a great tactic that would work on, um, watershed properties or like uh army corps of engineer lands and things like that um but uh you know if you want to get started what are some of the first things you have to consider it's it, it, it's probably just a little more than jumping in a canoe and going isn't it yes yes absolutely yeah uh, i did a lot of research when i when i hunted out in in ohio Obviously, that's another state away. So I, I spent a lot of time doing research and, and topple maps and and uh, phone calls. But probably the most important thing was for me to actually go to the to to the uh, the park itself and and spend some time uh, doing some scouting. You know, everything you want to do, uh, you want to practice it. You want to you want to have a dry run, so to speak. And as I uh, traveled around the park. And finally figured out where I wanted to access and where I wanted to hunt. I mean, the nice thing about a canoe is you don't need a, a, a boat launch or anything. You can pretty much take your canoe from anywhere, but you still have to have, you know, a good idea and, and, and have some understanding of, of where you're going to go and, and find your, your location, your trees and so forth. Uh, what I did was I took my topo maps with me and, and, you know, uh, went through the, the whole routine of, of going through and marking off my area, uh, marking it off of my map. Uh, and pretty much. So when I came back the following year, I, I knew what I wanted to do. You know, uh, I teach hunter head and we, hunter education, and we always tell our kids plan your hunt, hunt your plan. And that's pretty much what you got to do, especially for something like this. Cause it is a lot more work and it, and it is a lot of preparation and you want to make sure that when, you know, uh, you're, opening day to hunt, you, you have everything in place and you know what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. 
So I would just recommend that people, you know, get to where you're going to hunt, do your scouting, go through your dry run, uh, have it all pretty much, you know, uh, instilled in your, in your, your mind on, on how you're going to go about that. And I think, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, Travis said something that was really so cool. And I, and I can remember that the first time I went across in, in, the, in the dark of the morning and I saw the stars and, and, and the sky was just so beautiful. I just thought to myself, man, I'm so lucky to be doing this. You know, and anything at, at, at that time, I pretty much was the only one in 17,000 acres that was going across the, the, the lake in a canoe. And it, it was, and even at the end of the day, the same thing, it was so enjoyable. It's not, I, I said work, I shouldn't say work because it turns out to be a lot of fun that adds to your hunt. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I'd imagine the um, end result, especially if you're successful or maybe even if you're not successful is it's gotta be an incredible experience and memories that yeah. you take with you forever. Yes, I agree. Totally. Travis, can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the things that you would recommend uh, if people want to get in this? So say you're a passionate bow hunter, but you've never thought about doing this before. Um, maybe what are some of the things, your top three things that you really need to consider when you're getting started? Um, yeah, I mean, some, some of the things I would touch on. Yeah. Um, you know, part of it is, is, you know, physical fitness, being able to pick these things up and load them, haul them, drag them, get them in and out of the water, stuff like that. Um, you know, being able to haul stuff safely, strap them down, they're in the back of your truck or the top of your car, or, you know, you got to be able to get that stuff where it's going. Um, how to, keeping your gear safe and dry. That is part of it. Um, something you don't think about until you experience it. And then you're like, well, you know, maybe I should try to keep my stuff drier or, you know, maybe I should tie my bow on because if I flip my canoe over, it ends up at the bottom of the river. You know, so I've learned a few of these things the hard way, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, a survival bag, this is something I did not start with. This is something I started doing last year. Um, I've always carried flotation device and in a life jacket, but I, last year I took it a step further and just got me a good dry bag and I stuffed it full of everything I could think of. So like in case I end up on the wrong side of a river or the wrong side of a lake and I'm wet and I'm cold and I may, you know, you don't have to be far from civilization to still freeze, you know, like you could just be on the other side of the river looking at your truck, you know, and I've, I've got into a few pickles like that. And so I started carrying just a, a, I call it my survival bag and I wrap my life jacket around it. It's got some clothes and food and, you know, a little bit of everything I think I would need if I needed, it, you know, um, my brother, he, he has two of everything. Um, and he has camo, two bows, two of everything in case he loses it. Honestly, in case he flips over and something happens and his stuff's soaking, he can run back and, and still be in the game. Um, he hasn't had to experience that yet. I, I did. <laughs> um, you know, letting people know where you're going is, is smart. I am probably the world's worst about being secretive and not letting anybody know where I'm going. There's probably two or three people, Eddie Claypool, my brother, and a couple other people that physically know the coordinates or, you know, description of where I'm physically sitting. And that's not good. Some people, somebody needs to know where you're at in case you get 
in a bind. Because um, it's, you know, you're going to come up to some obstacles and it's easy to get in trouble, you know. So um, logistics of getting an animal out, that's a big one. You know, whether you can physically get him out or you're going to have to pack him, you know, butcher him up and pack him out. If you have to do that, there's more gear involved, you know, as far as tarp and game bags and knives and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> there's some stuff I call forever mud, you know, quicksand, but it's mud. I deal with it some along the rivers and lakes if the, if the moisture is just right. And you can step off into some stuff that you might not get out of. <laughs> and so just knowing your surroundings a little bit, like there's some certain times a year where I got to grab branches and make me a 10 foot path to and hop, skip, jump. So I don't seem hip deep, you know, down in some mud and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, and flipping over, that's always, that is always um, on your mind. Like, honestly, I never even, I never worried about it until it happened. Like, I'm just kind of a goer and I do, and I feel pretty comfortable and new, pretty agile and stuff like that. One morning I flipped over in the middle of a river in the dark and that, you know, enlightens you a little bit that this is dangerous and you, you know, you need to respect it. Like you need to have great respect for the water because uh, it's powerful. So, um, and the cold. So that's a few things that, that crossed my mind when you asked that. And I greatly appreciate you touching on that because obviously the safety is paramount. It's, it's a key. You're in the water, you're out in the fall and the winter, it's cold. So the water's cold. Um, you're carrying a lot of gear and, you know, having those personal flotation devices are huge. And just, it's just making sure that you are safe in everything you're doing. And, you know, you guys are talking about, you mentioned you've, you've done some with your daughter, but you've also both gone out and done it solo. So uh, letting people know uh, where you're at or how you could breed. So um, stay in touch with them where they can check up with you. But uh, uh, you mentioned something else during the course of something. You talk about getting the animal out and things like that. Uh, turkey's one thing. You throw a turkey right in the canoe with you. As far as a deer, um, do you usually end up, you know, breaking it down, packing it out? Do you actually maybe take a, a, another type of flotation device where you can uh, maybe pull the, the deer into some of your gear behind you? Have you ever done that? I haven't specifically, you know, float one behind me or anything. I've, I've stuck them in the canoe with me and then I've, I've deboned them or quartered them up, put them in backpack and took them out that way. Um, you know, it's 50, 50 for me sometimes. Like if I, I am not dragging a deer very far. I've, I've done plenty of that and I'm not doing it. Um, <laughs> I will butcher one up in a hurry, you know, instead of drag one. But man, if I can get a big buck in a canoe and like get pictures of that or just paddle them out, like that is so awesome. Like I love doing that, you know. So if I get the chance to get them, get them over, you know, to the canoe and can physically get them in, you know, I love doing that and getting them back. But then you, you know, you still got to get them out and then deal with them, get them into the truck and all that. Um, so it's 50 50. Some, you know, um, this last season I killed a good deer in Kansas and like, he was just physically too big. I was not going to attempt to try to take him down a steep bank and get him in that boat because it was not going to happen. So I just, I had my, you know, that tarp and game bags all in that survival bag with me that was at back of the canoe. So I just went back and got that and, you know, quartered him up and, and took him out that way. Um, 
So either way is fine with me. I love getting pictures with one and, and paddling one out. Like that's one of the coolest things ever. But you know, sometimes you got to work smarter and just go ahead and quarter one or debone one and get them out that way. Yeah, and you know, you're talking about when you're paddling in or floating down a river. Um, once you hit your destination, is it safe? For me to assume that a lot of times you actually don't have to go far into that woods or that far into the brush because the pressure is so much lighter. I mean, how much of an advantage really is it to to escape that hunting pressure and have these animals that uh, aren't feeling that pressure? Is it noticeable right off the bat? Yes, and for me it was. And, and one of the things in Ohio that was advantageous was that all the pressure was to the north of where I was hunting. I was coming in from the south side, so basically they were doing a lot of the uh, driving or pushing of the animals down towards where I was. And so when I got in there, the, the, the sign and, and the rubs and the scrapes were just unbelievable because again, it was a long haul from route 85 or 851, whatever it is, where everybody was parking and accessing to where I was. So when I got in there, there, there was, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of sign and, 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 I could actually do the routines. I could do the rattling and grunting and stuff like that. And, and I had had some really good action. Uh, again, you know, I don't know if anyone ever had been to where I was. I never noticed any uh, sign of, uh, of hunters being there. But, uh, you know, getting in quietly in the morning on a canoe and I always rake a path to where I'm going to stand so I can get in there as quiet as possible. Uh, was 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 very advantageous uh, for me. Definitely makes a big difference. Now, um, have you, Bob, specifically, have you have any memory that really stands out from you as far as all these trips you've done um, paddling in? You know, Travis was sharing his his some of his memories. Is there anything that stands out to you as just an incredible experience or something that you think back fondly on a lot of times? Well, there was an experience that always comes to mind the whole objective behind what I was doing by uh, entering into a hunting spot with a canoe was to be stealthy, quiet. And, and uh, this one particular morning while hunting in Ohio, it had every day the temperatures were, were dropping and, and, and there were some ice in the morning, but not as much as there was this particular morning, the whole, the entire time of me trying to get across, I had to break ice before I could move. So, it was defeating the whole purpose. I made so much noise going in and I knew that, you know, this was not going to be very productive uh, because of all the noise and with the boat banging on the ice. Uh, so I did make it across and it was, you know, I didn't see anything first thing in the morning, but the afternoon it picked up and then I had to repeat that process to get back. Although I did have the ice somewhat, uh, it wasn't kind of as, as thick as it was in the morning. So that's, that's a, a memory that always comes to mind. It wasn't a pleasant one, but it was, Somewhat funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, like you both have shared, obviously there are all types of challenges and situations that can pop up when you're doing this, uh, heading into more remote areas, you're out on the water, you're out in the cold, um, but it turns out to be an incredible experience more often than not. And sometimes you end up uh, taking a nice animal out. Um, Obviously, turkey, deer, big one, I'm sure in other parts of the country, people do it for other uh, species such as elk and things like that. But uh, um, yeah, um, I appreciate you both so much for joining the podcast. 
Um, is there anything else you wanted to touch on that we haven't talked about uh, before we wrap up here today? I don't have anything except I wish, you know, everyone the best of luck and uh, really appreciate the opportunity to uh, share this afternoon with both of you. Always enjoy uh, taking the time to talk about my passion. So very nice meeting you, Travis, and, and thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, it was nice to meet you as well. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Um, only thing I, I would say is, you know, it sounds awesome, and some, but it's definitely not for everyone. It is dangerous. It is cold. It is dark. It is wet, and it is muddy. And you got to be mentally tough, and you know, if you want to do it. But but it is um, it is pretty rewarding. So um, you can see some neat things that you haven't experienced, and I mean, I highly suggest it, you know, to anybody that that's thinking about it. It's just respect it, respect the water and have respect for all of it. And, you know, be safe when you do it. Because uh, I do some things that are goofy and I don't I don't want some somebody else getting hurt, you know. So. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much. And I agree. Safe, Safety is a key. But, uh, you know, if you're hunting land and you're tired of seeing pressure from other hunters are you looking for a unique experience where you can get away from it all and uh, have a good opportunity for um, being in more remote area um, or if you're just looking for a totally unique challenge as both of you have touched on many times in our chat today um, give paddle and hunting a try it's a great way to see some beautiful country and to hunt some new areas and uh, hopefully um, put your tag on an animal so thank you both very much we appreciate it everybody Stay safe, get out there hunting when you can. Turkey season's right around the corner here as we're recording. So uh, thank you all for joining the Bow Hunting Podcast. Thanks for downloading the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bow Hunting Magazine on your local newsstand or connect with us online at bowhuntingmag.com. <laughs>